Please allow me to welcome you to the Nerdist Podcast number 324. The Nerdist TV show is coming back to television, BBC America, Saturday night, March 30th, after Doctor Who and Orphan Black. Brand new Doctor Who, brand new Orphan Black, it's a new series. And the Nerdist TV show has, uh, we've evolved it a bit. It's a little couchier now, it's kind of nice, got stand-up on the show, it's a little bit longer, segments breathe, got some... Got some comedy sketches. So uh, that is Nerdist TV show coming back to BBC America Saturday, March 30th. Check it out. Uh, also, Talking Dead is currently on now. This next week guests are uh, Scott Adson from 30 Rock and Retta from Parks and Rec and a special surprise guest. That's Sunday at uh, 10 p.m. right after a brand new Walking Dead. Uh, the date for that would be Sunday, February 24th. I think that's, yeah, that seems right, February 24th. Yeah, good, all right, 2013. Who knows when you're listening to this? Or if this has been fired into space, and it's generations after, and you don't even know what these words are, because you're an alien in space. And so this could just sound like feedback to you, until you figure it out, and then get addicted to human podcasts. Yeah, you like human podcasts, don't you, aliens? Yeah, you do. What am I doing? Why are you shaking your head at me? Yeah, really? I had to draw that out of you? Oh, I've been sitting here wanting to make that joke this entire time. It was worth it. Just like it's worth it to go to squarespace.com. <laughs> that is a fucking segue, Chloe Dykstra. Oh my god. For future yeah. reference, if you ever start your own podcast. So well, you'd be turned on by the fast and easy website creation that you can get at Squarespace.com to create a high-quality website, blog, or online portfolio. Uh, you're going to get the best mobile experience, too. They have new templates, mobile-ready, responsive designs. When you add an image, by the way, you're going to get seven different versions, so you, the, correct is, the correct size loads for whatever the device is. Uh, your site's going to look professionally designed no matter how it's viewed. Super fast and easy to use. Drag and drop functionality for all customization tools. Uh, there's a new page builder tool. Uh, you basically had blocks of content like photos, videos, text, social media. Uh, they're immediately previewed uh, as the layout uh, goes. And this makes it easy for anyone to build a site. It, Squareface. Uh, Squareface. <laughs> Squareface. Why are you calling me that? <laughs> oh man, I was going to cut that part out, but now i got to leave that in. <laughs> Squarespace gives you better social media integration, automatically import, sync, and publish to and from social media with just a few clicks, and dynamically refresh your site and content, raising awareness uh, across all of your social landscapes. It's exceptionally well-designed. Squarespace is just gorgeous and easy to use, and they have great customer support. There's a free offer right now. Um, go to squarespace.com slash Nerdist sign up for your free account no credit card needed you try it out you start building your website then if you decide to purchase use the offer code Nerdist2 Nerdist in the number 2 get 10% off your first purchase on a new account squarespace.com use the offer code Nerdist2 everything you need to create an exceptional website now this podcast is three people it's Neil Patrick Harris who's come back uh, by the way, you should check out Neil's Puppet Dreams on the Nerdist YouTube channel, youtube.com slash, youtube.com slash Nerdist. My tongue gets tired at the end of the day, is what happens. Stop staring at me, Squareface. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris came back on the podcast because <laughs> he's directing a, uh, he's directing an amazing magic show called Nothing to Hide. Neil's the president of the, ma- of the he's basically head of the Magic Castle, 
uh, which is awesome. If you're ever in Los Angeles, try to score yourself an invite and bring a tie. It's awesome. And uh, uh, so he brought on the two magicians who are doing this incredible live show, uh, Heldor Guimares and Derek Delgadio. So they came on to sort of talk about magic and the show, and uh, it was really, really fun. I, I love, you know, I obviously I think everyone enjoys magic, but it's really great to you know, sit down and talk to a magi- you know, magician on a human level and sort of figure out where they're coming from and, and uh, what magic means to them. Because it's not always just for us to go, holy fuck! Uh, but a lot of times you do, and especially you will if you do this. Nothing to Hide is running right now at the Geffen Playhouse. If you go to geffenplayhouse.com and you're in or near Los Angeles now uh, or around this time, go see it. They keep extending the show and... Uh, I am so excited to see it. So here we go, the Nerds Podcast number 324 with Derek, Helder, and NPH. Now entering Nerdist.com. This is one of the this is one of the secret on. studios. I'm, I'm gonna be start on. on. Hello, I'm, this I'm, thing oh. check. Check <laughs> privacy. <laughs> Audio auto podcast. start. <laughs> Nick, Nick, can I? Okay, no, I'm fine. Doesn't work, does it? No. Son of a. I blame Ryan. Yeah, this is a Seacrest studio. I'll have I'll have a word with him. I'll never have a word with him. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Hi. Hi, Chris. I'm sorry you were waiting in the lobby for like 20 minutes. I didn't know what to look for. I was hoping a smoke would appear, and then you guys would just be in studio. All Let they me. all they do is uh, practice their coin rolls on over their fingers. You know, and uh, triple cuts. Ever since I all saw day long. Ever since I saw Val Kilmer do that in Real Genius, I always wanted to do it, but my left hand is. Sucks at everything. I just want to be the one like uh, in Labyrinth and do the. Oh, that's Michael Motion. Yeah, I know it is. Oh He's my God. And when Penn Gillette was on, he told the story about how Michael Motion and he were childhood friends and, and Penn had the balls. And so to speak. So to speak. And Michael was like, Do you mind if I play around with those? And so Penn has some responsibility and. Nice. And then making that happen. But let's I talk think, about. I think introductions are. are, are Please. Deal. Oh, have we started? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a lot of people say that. I see. <laughs> this is Derek Delgadio. Hello. Hello, Derek. And Helder Hi. Guimarez. Nice. You, you're getting it. Yeah, I'm getting you're it. Getting it. Um, they are uh, two, uh, the, probably, I'm going to say it, the two best close-up magicians going right now. On this podcast. On this. <laughs> for, for sure. For, for sure. For certain. You haven't sure. seen my close-up magic. No, that's true. But you, you're right. It's, you're still the best right ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They are currently doing uh, an unbelievable show. They're, they're both. Uh, I don't think you're allowed to talk about it that way anymore. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> you, uh, nice. well, what's your, what's the what's the best magician term for you guys? Do you like magicians or, or, or close up artists <laughs> or artists in general or like what's that? it's sort of like S- you can be racist. Hands? No, you can be racist in that way in a weird way. Like if you say the wrong African American terminology to the sure. wrong African American person, then you end up 
saying something offensive. And the same sure. holds true with magicians. If you call them, show me a trick is or not appropriate. It's more that's very offensive. Magic faces. That's like bad you cape wearing card jumpers. Yeah. <laughs> card jumpers is. I don't. I didn't really. Box like, jumpers is a real card thing. Jumpers. Card jumpers is pretty good. Like we'll go with jumpers. that. At any rate, <laughs> I am. Uh, this is Neil Harris. I am the. <laughs> Present. Well, people are listening, dude. They can't see my face right now. They recognize your voice. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Even like this. Oh, my, who, I, who just came in here? I am the president of the Academy of Magical Arts, which For is where the Magic Castle, uh, the organization within the Magic Castle walls. Mm -hmm. um, Derek is our reigning close-up magician of the year. Of 2012, he won close-up magician of the year. Helder the reigning 2012 Parlor Magician of the Year. These two gentlemen came up, have their own amazing individual acts. They joined forces um, uh, to do a show in the downstairs Peller Theater. If you're dark, of the Magic dark Forces? Castle. Dark Dark magical forces. How do you determine, how do they determine who the best magician of the year is? We're right in that right now. It's March and, um, and uh, all of the members get to vote. Magicians and uh, magician members vote. And you uh, can go online and hopefully you've seen a lot of the performers. And you it's just sort of like voting for the Oscars or the Emmys or something. You vote for your top five and then... I want to see like wizard duels. Yeah, I think you have a different idea of what happens at the Magic Castle. I've been there many times. Yeah, but it, there's no dueling wizards. There. Well, there should be. There. You're the president. You can make that shit happen. <laughs> I love the Magic Castle. I was just there. Um, uh, I was just there when my friend Andrew Goldenhurst was performing, and who is a, a wonderful close-up magician great. as well. He can take a piece of paper and turn it into a butterfly, which is awesome. Yeah, he does a lot of other things too, but I don't want to give them away. Agreed. I just <laughs> gave something away. At any rate, there, uh, Derek and Helder are currently performing. Uh, an, a, a wonderful like hour plus version of this show that they did together at the Peller Theater called Nothing to Hide at the Geffen Playhouse, uh, which was supposed to only be through the beginning mid-January and then pushed for a couple weeks and pushed for a couple weeks. It's extended again and again, and it doesn't seem to stop. It's sold out, and uh, they had their single highest ticket sales for the history of the Geffen when, for this show. Holy shit. Yeah, so it's a big, it's a big thing. And what's nice is that most people uh, don't get to see a lot of magic uh, in their lives. And sure. when they do, it's kind of cheesy. And when they hear about great magic, like at the Magic Castle, they're not able to go, really, because they're not magician members or no Or maybe magician. they don't own a suit. Or maybe they don't own a tie and a suit, which is part of the dress code. So this allows people to be able to see this awesome uh, type of magic done as, as good as you can possibly see it. Uh, uh, with just, you know, a few dollars. And I imagine that magic is sort of probably one of those things, the analogous comedian thing is a one-man show. Where it's like, oh, someone's putting up a one-man show. And most of them are not amazing, but the, when you see one that's really incredible, then you're like, oh, shit, that's exactly what it's supposed to be like. These dudes are the Louis C.K. of card magic. <laughs> oh, my God. The, Fuck together. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you do, you come, you do you, do you have sort of... Uh, are there slightly different focuses because you focus on on close up and your yours is parlor magic? So it's the, like there's a, a big bigger of a stage show. Did you was there an idea to combine those two things into a mega thing? It's actually the the size is not the the main difference between parlor and close up. I think the the difference is uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's more the the level in which you perform. Which in close up magic normally you work on more in an horizontal level, and parlor you work on a vertical level. But the size, it's not that much of a difference. Uh, oh, thanks very much. That's, is that better? Oh. Yeah, now is we can hear you. Did it everything? No, no, no we got it. Okay, cool. Uh, 
So, uh, and actually, I think it's just our styles of performing that fit those criteria better in in uh, in um, in those rooms. Uh, I, I said criteria. I should have said card criteria. Cardteria. Cardteria. Oh, um, the new word. But uh, but I don't think that it's like that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. When 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 we join to do the show, part of the pieces would be considered pieces for a parlor situation and other pieces for a close-up situation. Uh, and we can we can go back and forth on any of this. Thanks. I do feel like that no matter how cynical or how hipstery or how negative people are about magic, when they do see a, a fantastic performer, it's like uh, uh, Justin Wilman does a show every once in a while at our space at Meltdown. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's a lot of young nerdy types. Some hipsters come in there. Fine. But w- watching people react is as fun as what's happening on stage when something will, you know, he'll pull something off and then people from the back cannot not go what the fuck? You know, like yeah. that that kind of... I, I don't imagine that that's what people shout out at the Geffen Playhouse, but they, <laughs> they definitely... No, they do. Yeah. <laughs> they do. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, magic uh, is inherently amazing. And as long as the magician doesn't get in the way of it uh, and allows it to uh, communicate, then people usually react uh, accordingly. How do you develop that confidence? What confidence? The confidence to let the magic speak for itself and not and not try to... Over talk it, get in the way, you know, overperform it. Uh, I just, I think understanding it on a level bigger than what, what, uh, than a performative level, but what, you know, what it can be to an audience uh, and like what magic is to people right now and what it has meant throughout the ages. And if you, if you allow people to experience it in like a pure sense, uh, then uh, with, with, you know, with, without their defenses going up. Uh-huh. Uh, then they're able to really experience, uh, you know, what is hopefully mystery, you know, which is amazing and doesn't happen very often these days. Is there sort of a renaissance of magic right now where there's a generation of young magicians who are trying to sort of redefine what the image of magic is? You know, magic can be broken down into so many different types. So I think there's a great renaissance of kind of the magic being cool again as a general idea, but then, you know, you look at Burt Wonderstone as the movie that's coming out, but that's like big illusion magic, which is so different from that's Vegas magic. card magic, right? Uh, and you have mentalists that are sort of in the middle of all of that. So I think, thankfully, it's an art that's not uh, dying, but it's a very specific, uh, it takes a very specific breed and a very specific type of person to keep it alive and keep it new and refreshing, because you can just go to a magic shop and buy a couple card tricks and learn them and teach your friends and then claim that you're a magician. Right. You can say you're an illusionist and spend 50 grand on illusions that people build and then, you know, go to Branson and say that you're a magician <laughs> and doing an illusion show. And then you could be called an illusionist, oh, right? I never, I never really thought of it that way. I never really thought that. Because you can, right? Sure. I mean, there's people hawking magic books, magic sets at Costco. But you, there's also people who study the craft, who know the history of the, of the people who originated moves, who have perfected said moves. And with cards, it gets much more hyper-focused and much more um, um, dexterous, mm-hmm. le- legitimately, not a ton of trickery is involved, that you can do, you can deal seconds, you know, 
where you're dealing the second card instead of the top card. And you can stare at someone's hand and not have any idea that that's what's happening. You can deal from the middle of the deck. You can totally fuck up a deck and then it's back to normal. Like you can do things, they can do things that, and I, I sound like they're shill pitch man, but legitimately they, when Derek says that he likes to operate from a level of, that's bigger than the trick, I think that that's, that that shows in what they do on, in their performance, because it's not just like, ta-da, right. now your aces are on the top of the deck, but they turn things into a much bigger thing that is really kind of mind-blowing so where is it what is it where is the excitement for you is it in the performance is it is it is it crafting uh is it crafting um moves or where where, where do you what do you love the most well I, I think it's it's a mixture of everything a little bit but uh what what i think that makes this show different from the conventional magic show that you'll find in in a bunch of places is that our idea of doing a show is actually to communicate an idea. The magic is a way of expressing an idea of what we believe should be the world we live in. So that's just a tool almost to get to that point of sharing an idea or several ideas during the show. Uh, and magic, it's, it's a way of communicating like stand-up, like dance, like theater, like cinema. It's just a way of communicating ideas. And most magicians they think that just by doing the magic, they are doing something. You know, they are, they are expressing an idea. And sometimes they are, but sometimes you don't know, and it's just a trick, and it's just a trick. There is no idea, there is no concept behind, there is no philosophy, there is nothing. It's just, I go to the magic shop, I buy this, this and this is a trick. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, it's just like someone playing scales without substance. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, or reading uh, a joke book and reciting all the jokes they memorized. Right, yeah. karaoke. You can buy a, re a book. Uh, yeah, you can buy a book with jokes and read that, and you are not a comedian. Right. So, so I I don't believe if you go to a magic shop and you buy a trick and you do it that you are a magician. That's not that doesn't enter my my way of of thinking about magicians. Magicians are people that are more serious about what they do, and they study and they research and they create and they craft and they practice and they spend literally years of their lives before they go on stage doing something. How and do you... Oh, a go lot ahead. of times, these guys are at the top of the, the game mm -hmm. right now, and I think a lot of times you don't get to the top of the game until you're 65 years old or 70 <laughs> years old when, when you're respected and revered and like the Di Vernons and people like that. And so I think it's great that we are in a time where contemporaries of ours are able to be this good and skilled at what they do, because I think it makes it more accessible and it makes it, dare I say, hipper to be able to come and see this show with two, two guys that you not only cannot believe what's happening, <laughs> but that you actually want to like hang out with them afterwards and have a drink. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's what makes it cool because a lot of magicians are hyper pretentious because they're holding secrets and withholding secrets and they know more than you and there's kind of a pompousness to what they do. And they're also not, you don't see them as like people. Engaging. Oh yeah, I get that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that guy goes home and takes a shit and gets into bed. Like you just don't think of them as people. You just think of them as these sort of caricatures that's of. That's, and that's kind of the, the 
it's it's still you know uh, pervasive, but it's also the old model. And now more than ever, I think humanity is is the most important thing to inject into magic. And mm-hmm. so to become more human and still do magic is uh, is is more important than to become some sort of you know omnipotent creature, Sir. yeah, a wizard. Um, and and so yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a, it's a I don't say a problem, but. Uh, the place that most people begin magic in their lives or the, the why, the why ends up um, pushing them towards uh, a person that doesn't really uh, have a place in this world anymore. And uh, so it's really important to try to make sure that you keep, uh, you know, the fact that you're a real person in the show. And we, we make points of that in our show where we try to intentionally remind people that we're, we are, just people, because uh, it makes it makes anything we say or do um, more likely that people will listen, because it's another human being and not just some, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you get as 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 you begin your journey into magic? How do you start to get on the inside where you start actually learning? I'm just I'm just curious, like where does it start for you, and then how does it's, how do you get it's in? Like it's like comedy in the sense that uh, you have to just be great. And, you know, if you're if you're a great stand up on a stage and you're just working on being a great stand up, someone in the back of the room who's been doing it for 20 years is going to notice and they're going to, you know, mention, hey, great set or good job and and uh, hopefully take you you know under their wing a little, maybe show you the ropes. It's, it's That's the difference, though. We don't it's not like we can really apprentice people in comedy because you, you could just go, hey, that was a really, really good job. It's those are really cool. But but there are actual specific skill sets and things to learn and manipulation to learn and 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 it's so it's not just sure, sure, sure. like you can you can actually some when someone mentors you in magic they're actually that's like a trade there's like they're a, yeah, teaching yeah, you something but i've heard lots of that same stuff in comedy but you you'll get the jerry seinfelds and people that will take someone and say hey i have a suggestion about this trick if you if you rattle through it you might get a better laugh or if you hold you know like don't 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 some people do that i mean they're not so they can give you tips but it's not like Oh, here's a new thing that you haven't learned yet about how to manipulate this yeah, true. thing in a way, you know, like especially with comedy because everyone's voice is different. Yeah. You can kind of say like, "Oh, well try this or explore this." I mean, you can speak in broad terms, but it's it's dicey when you start telling a comedian, "Start doing your punchlines this way. Start right. do this." You know, you can tell people like, "Well, don't look at the floor." Right. You know, but there, but you can't really it's 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 much harder you just have to do it to learn it. You can't, there's no like going home and, you know, like trying to practice it and trying to pray. You just have to do it in front of people. Did you guys have mentors? Is that sort of how it happened? Like you were younger magicians that, uh, that, that had, that in, were enthusiastic by magic. And then you, you found someone that was really, really good. And they started like teaching you more. Yeah. Yeah. I had many, many, but it's also mentors in the sense that it's, it's, it's similar that, that, you know, you just look up to someone and admire what they do and ask them questions. And even, even if, even if they can't even give you an answer, because the answer I got from most, most of the guys that I looked up to was you just got to go out and do it. Mm -hmm. But but it it still begs the question, how, like, how is someone's listening to this podcast and they love magic? Like, where do you, where do you plant yourself physically to be able to be around people who can mentor you? Like, you just go hang out at the magic shop and, like, 
head in that direction? When you say lots of people, like, did you go to Magic Be Camp? In the world? Did you? No, didn't go to a Magic Camp. Yeah, just to find them if they were doing shows or in town, maybe giving a lecture or something. I would attend, and uh, uh, you know, when I was 15, I sat in front of the Magic Castle, even though I couldn't get in, and all my friends were inside playing, and they brought me a, a bowl of chili eventually. And, <laughs> and, uh, were you living in the cold on the street? Basically, yeah, and. Uh, you know, if you if you want, you'll you know you'll find them, and they'll and 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 if you have talent, they will find you, and they will hear about you. And I was a kid in Colorado, and you know, and would meet people, you know, a year or two, uh, uh, you know, after I may have done something, and and uh, I'd meet someone I'd never met in my life, and and they'd say, "Wait, you're Derek from Colorado? I've heard of you." And I'd be like, "I've okay, this is pre-internet, pre, you know, that stuff." So I. I don't know. I mean, just be really good at what you do or try to be really good. And, you know, and it's, it's, I think it just happens. What about you, Helder? Well, for me, it was a totally different experience because my father did and does magic as a hobby. So that's how I started. Uh, I, I, I was four years old and a serious I. Serious hobbyist, though. Like, well, very, yes, very but serious. still. Where did you grow up? In Portugal. Okay. Yes, I'm Portuguese. By the way, if you didn't notice that I don't speak English correctly, I'm Portuguese. You just spoke English better than most Americans speak English because you yes, used said, an adverb. I said English. <laughs> uh, uh. So most Americans would say, you probably just noticed I didn't speak good. Yeah, Bad grammar. Your grammar. Correctly. Your, gra your nice. grammar is perfect. Uh, so my father did, uh, did magic as a hobby, and I was looking like I was literally four when I, 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 I looked up to him and I was like, can I try to do something? And my kindergarten party was uh, around the corner of the Christmas kindergarten party. And my father knew the owner of the kindergarten I was attending. And the owner had asked him if he could do something for, for the kids. And my father said yes. So my father, when I was around him, said, do you want to do something? And I went like, sure. So he teach me a couple of tricks, and that that point was literally just tricks, nothing else. And he, he basically, I I did it, and that's my first show when I was four. And uh, <laughs> so was he your mentor then through through, through it and all? Then, or? then he always he always uh, he has really good taste about magic. So all the people he looked up for are people that I I still think they are heroes and, sure. and great magicians. You're really lucky because most people's parents don't have great taste in stuff. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> like, like when you think about the things that when I think about, I love my parents dearly, but when I think about the things they like or the comedians they like and stuff, I would not say we share a lot of tastes yeah. in terms of like really great. Well, yeah. In magic actually has good taste. In music, <laughs> but I like that there must have been a certain point where you were like, Father, my powers have exceeded yours, and it's yes. time for me to move on. Yes. Uh, actually, that was, I, I, I remember the moment I felt that, and I felt uncomfortable. Of course. I was 12. I was 12, and we, we did a magic competition together, <laughs> and I stayed in front of him. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, this is weird. Was he okay with it? No, he was. Hey, he, he's a father. He's like, he... Well, you beat so, him, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, after the show, it didn't go well. <laughs> no, he was, he was super happy for me, and he couldn't, he couldn't be happier. He's like, he really, he, he really wants my success and, and me to be happy. So he was the first one to rave about it. But for me, it was like, oh my god, I shouldn't, I, I don't feel right about this. Um, what about you? How was your, how were your, how was your family? 
different. <laughs> uh, I have a very uh, different upbringing. A uh, uh, single mother most of my life. Mm-hmm. She was a teenage mom and uh, did her best to, you know, uh, she did amazing. She's a firefighter now. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, she's she's incredible. And uh, she uh, and she is uh, she's a lesbian. So not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said that like in a porny way. Um, <laughs> what if Neil was one who was like, oh, really? Ew, like, that'd be so disgusting. weird. <laughs> no, Neil, you're. Neil. What's wrong with you? No, Neil, you, David, there's David. Beg your pardon? You have a. Uh, he, someone I, else is talking right I'm now. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's disgusting. <laughs> uh, no, so I, so I didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't grow up with a father. Uh, do you have violin music you could play now over the. I do. Oh, I wish. You know what? There, I, we do have a sound effects board, but it pisses people off. All right, that's fine. So we'll I think we'll just go with the Neil, 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 Neil's analog mouth. Violin. So I didn't grow up with a dad, and I, I think that is really where the pain started. Uh, no, that's where uh, I think a lot of my my uh, drive towards uh, when, once I once I started doing uh, sleight of hand and magic, and I found this sort of f- uh, free Big Brother program. Although I think the real Big Brother program is also free, <laughs> um, but <laughs> this sort of Big Brother program in Magic, and um, and I think there was a lot of uh, you know drive for the, the, to to please like these paternal characters. Oh and, sure. And uh, even though I didn't have a, a dad, I think that like I, I had many uh, surrogate fathers in a way, and uh, and uh, but my mom more than made up for it with with you know what she did. She's incredible and. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, I, it was, uh, it also allowed me, I think, more opportunities because my mother, I think, knew that that was something that was missing. So she, she would let, like, when I was like, you know, 14 years old, she'd let me get on a Greyhound bus and go 80 miles uh, by myself to a, to, you know, a small town where I heard there was this guy who I wanted to meet, a magician. And, uh, and so uh, I had really amazing opportunities. Uh, That's great. Hey, did you guys ever... Um, want to do are you, are you, more no, than you no? I have questions. Okay, I just love the I love the potentially <laughs> dicey nature of I'm gonna hop in a greyhound and go see a magician yeah. in another town. Have fun. It, you know what? Yeah, it was, what she, yeah, it was potentially pedophilic. Where did you grow up? Colorado. Which part? Colorado Springs and uh, and uh, Littleton. Littleton. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. Well, I, no, I just yeah. I, I lived in Littleton. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Littleton. Yeah. I lived in uh, I lived in Littleton. I was in high school. I went to Regis High School. Oh, okay. But I lived in Littleton, and when we lived there, it was basically just a prairie. Like you were fucking. Yeah, I there. was in the Columbine area. Yeah, I, I I went to private school, or I would have gone to Columbine. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't grow up with money. So I was <laughs> we didn't grow up with we didn't grow up with a lot of money, but my mother forced it all into education. Hey, that's a good place to put it. Yeah, uh, it was. yeah, no, Littleton. I grew up, spent a lot of time in Littleton. I mean, and then moved to Colorado Springs, which is where my mom was. It's, what year were you born? Currently a firefighter. Eighty four. Okay, eighty four. Yeah. I'm just when I hear people from that because it's, it's yeah. Yeah, maybe we were. Were you like a, a creepy old guy on? On like chat lines, trying to get younger kids to go. Learn, yeah, but learn unfortunately, a magic trick. In, in '84, no one knew what those were. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh no, this would have been 15 years later. Yeah, I guess they could have been. Exactly. Yeah, I guess they could have been in like '98. Sure, sure. Well, the magic news groups or whatever we were doing in uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the chat rooms. Looking to teach some cups and balls. Well, no, I'm a magician. Anyone want to drive 80 Why miles? Why am I not getting any to calls? My magic lair. Why am I not getting any calls? <laughs> I need to change my branding. 
Did you guys ever want to do different magic besides uh, card stuff? It seems like you're focused on cards, both of you. Well, that's really, we talk about this all the time. People, people make the assumption that, we, that that's what we do, cards, mostly because that's what they see, see us do. But we, we, we look at it all as the same thing. I mean, magic, magic is magic. It's like... Uh, Stage illusion? Uh, sure, if it's the story's done right, you know. But it's, it's like if it's a feeling. It's not a, it, you know. I'm I'm not I'm nothing against stage illusion. In fact, it's the hardest type of magic to pull off. Why is that? Uh, the Max Maven, mm -hmm. uh, who is kind of the he's the patriarch of knowledge, and, and everyone looks to Max for answers and things. And he uh, he once did an essay or something about how like uh, the most difficult type of magic is actually stage illusions because. Um, it is very clear when watching a stage illusion show that the magician has very little to do other than wave his arms and <laughs> dance. Right. Basically. That's and, kind of what you were saying about and, the Branson and thing. And yeah. Point, yeah. And point at the thing that does the thing. And look at this machine. Look at this thing that yeah. I bought. Yeah. And you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it is the most difficult in the sense that to get an audience to have a feeling, a, a visceral uh, sense of like magic while watching a box do a thing on stage is very very difficult that's why david copperfield you know is david copperfield is because he got people to feel those moments when he was really doing his thing he really got people to feel magic even though you know he was basically just holding his arms up like you know a girl displaying a car and what do you think that secret was like what? What do? You, what is that? Uh, what is that? Drunk. Yeah, he'd get really <laughs> drunk. Well, David Copperfield was good at the vignette. He was actually able to tell a story oh, yeah, within the thing. It, it's a hard thing for a stage magician to tell any kind of story in like. But isn't with, that the, with like rock music playing that's and the wind core machines of every, and stuff? Like right? that is the one consistent element of any good art form, whether it's a, a painting or a television show or a movie or stand up. It's just like. The story has to be good, and the story has to be authentic, or at least seem authentic and be organic. And sure. you know, if the story is good, they'll forgive anything. People will forgive anything. And and you know, if the story can carry, uh, you know, a good story can carry a weak anything really. And yeah. Even even a weak magic trick, and uh, and and in stage, you need people to go on that emotional journey, where they are, they get rid of their uh, intellectual intelligence. You know, and it's emotional intelligence mm. instead. Um, so that's so, true. You I'm, really need that more than anything in magic. You have to yeah. sort of let your head get out of it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you go to the magic castle, you can sit there and be angered by all these people who are doing things <laughs> that you can't figure it out. Or you can have a couple drinks and wander around and just like love the close up magic and go and see and love the palace show. And you meet some guy and he shows you a card trick and it's all just amazing. You kind of have to give it up. A well, if bit. you're a troglodyte, you get mad at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like if someone's like, it hurts my brain. But you know, why would you go watch magic right. if you were just going to get mad? I guess people do. Yeah, it's different types, analytical types or whatever. It's right. fine. But it's, and, and sometimes you can't help but go there if what you're seeing is shitty. You know, if you're sure. watching a shitty magic performance, you can't help but just it's reduced to uh, how's this working because I'm not going to let this asshole be smarter than me, which right. is where your, your mind goes. Well, especially, and I mean, I, I would almost think that performing for drunk people could be, you know, I mean, at least with at least with stand up, if someone's hammered, you can directly engage them and then just sort of sort of spin the show about that. But I, I, I assume that when you have when you have that kind of a performance to, then it's just as like, come on. Or if someone's going, I see how you, what is it? You know, how do you guys deal with hecklers? You can do the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, I like actually to tell people to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I really like it. 
Because I think I think people don't understand how disrespectful they are being. Not for me. I couldn't care less. I'm doing the show every single day. And tomorrow, if this show is not going to be good, tomorrow probably is going to be good. But for all the other people, all the other people watching yeah. the show, like that's so disrespectful that you think you are more than them. And it's okay to have an occasional heckler that says a funny thing. It's That's different than sure. someone that is trying to ruin the show. To derail yeah. the show, you know? yeah. Which I, is usually a drunk totally person. Different. I, don't, I, I don't know if you're present. On the, on the uh, main stage at the castle, at the mm -hmm. palace once, I... Uh, don't call it main stage. I had a, the, the palace. <laughs> just bigger. Yeah, the big it's stage. Bigger. It's a bigger stage. <laughs> yeah, just bigger. Yeah. Uh, I was doing a show, and uh, there was a woman who was heckling... And she was being playful, and I, I, I said a couple of things and tried to shut her up, and she was playful again, and now she's being disrespectful. And, and I said, all right, I tell you what, miss, we are going to let the audience decide the next time. Um, so if you decide to interrupt one more time, we're just going to let the audience decide and maybe, you know, have to ask you to leave. And so she immediately said something else. I went, I think that was your last chance. Audience, what, should we ask her to leave? And everyone applauded. <laughs> and, uh, and, I said, and I said, can I get the house lights? And turn, turn the house lights up. And I said, I said, now here's the best part. I said, this is now way more entertaining than what I was just doing up here. <laughs> so this is really great because now we are all going to watch you <laughs> as you either make the choice to stand up now and leave or as we have security come in and escort you out. And either way, <laughs> it's a better fucking show than what I was doing, <laughs> for sure. And so, and and I did that, and I waited until her and her group got up and left. Oh, her whole group had to go too? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and right as they left, I, I said, Miss, before you go, uh, next time you come to live performance, please make sure you don't come to disrespect the performer and most importantly, the audience. Thank you very much. Standing ovation. Oh, and they as soon as the door shut, I said, "Let's get back to the fucking show." And the audience was done; it was ready to go. Well, that's the you know that's the whole thing about about the the push and pull of a heckler and make and like once they get to a certain point, it's sort of like a funnel web spider trap where you know like, <laughs> all right, good, you've just taken the you've just taken the yeah, wrong yeah, step yeah, and you're, yeah, you you yeah, don't yeah, even yeah. fucking know it because yeah. now the audience is against you. Yeah. and I don't have to attack you in any way. No. I can just let it happen, yeah. and they will shame you, sure. and it's out of my hands. Sure, sure, and sure. that's such a set. Like I know exactly that moment where you get to go. <laughs> Everything's going according yeah, to yeah, plan, yeah, exactly. and then you get to watch. There's him. a lot of that at the Magic Castle. There was recently an event with the guy who is doing his comedy magic show in, in the palace stage, and some one drunk guy was trying to get his attention, and for whatever reason, it didn't go well, Chipper Lowell, oh. went, uh, climbed over across two people's seats and grabbed him, physically grabbed him by the arm and wouldn't let him go. The older gentleman grabbing the younger magician wow. guy, and the, the stage manager, Brian, had to like come running out and grab the guy, and it was like a thing. And so now we're having to put panic buttons in the different showrooms in different places. <laughs> oh, yeah, very shit. serious. But it, you know, it's 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 a tricky thing. They can take it a little too far. Well, especially, you know, the the close-up magic room is uh is incredible because it is so intimate and for people who've never been to the Magic Castle, it is a, if you just saw the room empty, you'd never go. You could put some sort of some type of performance in here and it's just like it's like it, it's raised seating yeah. and it's a tiny room and you can see everything. Super rigged seating. And I mean, that's the point with card magic, especially doing the sh Nothing to Hide show, is that all the seats have to be able to be see the tabletop and be close enough to see the, the pips to yeah. know if it's a heart or a club. Because if you're too far back and he's letting you like, 
puts a, a hand over his other his card and it turns into a different card, it means nothing to you because you can't see the card. Yeah. So uh, the, the the logistics of those of those uh, theaters are important. Now, besides obviously the you know if you're passionate about magic as an art form, what's the sort of business goal behind it? I mean, is it because you know, there's not a ton of magic on television, and can you translate into other, you know, into other forms of media, or is it to just is it to tour a lot, or get a residency somewhere, or what? What is the ultimate business eagle? I don't know. I'm not the businessman. Yeah, it's true. Guys. It's we, true. I feel like uh, my. my I'm a bit of the Pied Piper of variety arts. Like I'm, I constantly am crowing whether I'm hosting the Tonys and wanting people to see Broadway shows or whether I'm doing magic stuff, trying to get people. I want people to value seeing live things that are good yeah, and seeing them live mm -hmm. because it's one thing to see Ricky Jay, who's fantastic. It's one thing to see his HBO special, which is great. But when you see that same show live and he's right there and he's talking to you and he's doing effects that you're, you know, you're, you're 15 feet away from him and he's doing something really remarkable, then I think that that's, it, le it has a bigger impact to you. Yeah, yeah live. Is, is, that's all it is. We, that's, we, we've had, we, you know, individually and with this show together now, we've had s several TV uh, opportunities and things to do. You know, hey, come do a TV special TV show and... And we we can't find a way to make it work for us in terms of or make it work for magic because it, it can be seen on TV, but it can't be experienced. And it has to be experienced live, like most great live. We're too preconditioned yeah. now with the YouTube and the and the easy effects that can be done on iMovie or your phone to not think that there's trickery at every turn. Well, it's not even just the trickery part, but it's also very hard to shoot stand up. Yeah, for television because yeah. you just need to it's a communal yep. experience yeah. and it's just better when you're in it yeah it's temporal i think that a lot of it has to do with knowing that this is happening in the world right now at this moment and can never be reproduced in some <laughs> yeah. way like whether or not i mean he's going to tell the same joke do the same effect or something it's it's i know that this is happening for me god that's right and now. that that's almost like a that's almost like a uh um like an endangered resource Absolutely. of the of like the, the the experience of now and not taking it for granted like oh i could just I'll catch that on the internet later of like knowing oh shit this is an unrecorded moment that i will just have to record with my mind absolutely and and it's not an experience yeah and not only is, so is the is the live, another good word for that the live uh theatrical part where people show up to a theater is that an experience that's happening in that moment which is important but also magic is one of the few things that forces you to recognize the moment because it it really confronts you with the world if, if you're doing it properly and it confronts you with how the world is or how it should be or how you thought it was and it's not and so you really have moments of of um you know introspection in a magic show that that uh, is like is like when a when a comedian says something really profound on stage that's not just a joke it's like holy shit he's right about that truth mm -hmm. and so it's a really amazing thing they that speak is... a lot about that in the show in nothing to hide is the uh, the choices that we make and the ramifications of said choices but the idea that the idea of expressing a truth mm -hmm. through a form of misdirection is really interesting no that's yeah. all art yeah, it's, that's really interesting. You know, all truth expressed through life. I mean, Picasso says something like that. You know, art is is, a, is cool. A, is a lie that tells the truth. <laughs> yeah, Picasso said art is cool. I think he yeah. did. No, I think he said cool. actually. Art I think is, I, art is something. I think rad was the word that he used. Awesome. 
Uh, yeah. No, something about <laughs> like, art is a lie that tells the truth, you know, and uh, and I think it's true for all for all good art. <laughs> so if you don't if you don't use the word trick, what is the word that you use? Uh, trick. The, and the only reason to like that we would avoid the word trick is because it contextualizes it wrong in in the sense that <coughs> we w- our goal is to for a moment to set aside your 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 uh, pessimism and and negativity and and. And and bring back a little bit of that childhood wonder, as cheesy as it sounds. And trick always reminds you that it is a trick. Mm-hmm. It is just a trick, and it's so it's, um, you know, we don't want to say, you know, and the next magics we be showing you, you know, it's like but <laughs> effects. You know, you guys. Yeah, and it's not. It's just it's it's trick is a lot of time, and especially when talking to other people, is what we what we end up saying. Every everything has its own vernacular. Everything kind of has its own. Oh, are you watching girls walk by the? No, you're watching no. pretty girls walk by the. Uh, <laughs> the outside. You know the fucking unfair thing about it is the one guy in this room that could land that girl doesn't like girls. <laughs> it's fucking not fair. Maybe I already did land her. Oh shit. <laughs> That's awesome. That the only problem with tricks is that they're both prostitutes on the side. Yes. And so, so, it gets confusing. It so gets there's confusing. a lot of yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but as artists, aren't we all? Um, but I but I but I I think you know what I was gonna say is that in any in any field. There's a vernacular that is different than what the public thinks. Like, you know, my dad owns a bowling center. If mm-hmm. you say bowling alley, it puts them off a little bit because bowling alley is a very specific type of bowling, bowling establishment. Or... Bowling chapel, he would love. But bowling alley so, it sort of elicits the idea of like a really dirty, grungy, yeah. you know, yeah. oh, where bowling center is like a family. Yeah. And so, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't work in the business. Oh, yeah. It's like that very personal. You know, the best is, and you know this from the TV, is, is gag. The, for some reason, Hollywood has decided that the word for a magical effect is gag. And so, like, I don't yeah. care what set I've been on. It's like, what's the gag on this one? What's the... What's the show, gag? Show me the gag. But what if what's the, the, what, what if the effects have a ball gag? <laughs> they usually then do. Then it's get the gag. It's not what's the it's gag. get the gag. You just know what the gag is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, g- gag makes it all sound like... Gag. But gag is just one step below trick. Oh, trick is... We, get the we, gag, I'll release the gimp. We, we end up saying trick. All the time. So then, but. let me ask you this: when when you're when you're, but I'm uh, offended already. <laughs> He's so mad. <laughs> but when you're uh, but when you're coming up with so, do you start with the story and then go, oh, this is a cool story. What effects could I build into this, or do you start with the effects first and then build the story around that? Uh, it really depends. Both. It's yeah. yeah, we've we've worked both ways. Uh, I think I think uh, if we pick if we start with the effect and build the story around, it's because that effect is really strong and there's a really interesting metaphor already built into it. Yeah. And that allows us just to understand that metaphor and translate it to the story around it. Okay. Okay. What is considered hacky in magic? Like, what if you saw a magician do something, you'd be like, ah, oh, that's hacky, that's hacky. Is there, is there? Oh, there's a list. Camera <laughs> tricks. Like, like what? Is that, is that hacky, though? I find it hacky. I just find no, it easy. Yeah, like yeah. I, by hacky to me, I, to me it just yeah, means yeah. super easy. Super easy, like low, low hanging fruit. Well, like I could film myself go to no, no, the clean one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> jokes, those, those, those kind lines. of jokes. Those no, lines. I mean like I could go with a handheld camera to Universal City Walk, and I could go up to someone and say, "Hey, let me show you a trick," and then I could like say, "Pick a card," and then I could say, "Is this your card?" And then I would cut away to them, 
And then I could cut back and say, look, they're all blank. But I right. just switched, like I've sure, edited, sure, like sure. editing tricks sure. to me. That seems sure. hacky. As well, far that as yeah, concerned. it doesn't even sound like magic. Right, yeah. but a lot of magic has become that a little bit. I think that... For me, it's like there is a lot of, of uh, pattern and jokes that magicians use all the time. Sure. That's actually, actually probably what throws me out more when seeing a, another magician. It's like, really? Are you going to really use this line? And oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and then it's, I think, the choice of, of, of material. Like, you can see that. You can, you, can, you can understand when a magician, all he's done for the last half year of his life is going into a magic shop, buying a trick, Seeing a YouTube video where someone is doing that and copying that and doing on stage. Sure. Yeah, that happens yeah. a lot yeah. in magic. Well, I would imagine now, especially. Oh, how do you guys deal with? Because uh, comedians fucking hate it. The camera phones, like taking video during shows. I I'll punch them. <laughs> he just, he just hits them. Yeah. Uh, Why not? I've I I take the approach of explaining. Uh, Explaining to them what it means because I don't think people really ever thought about it. They don't mean it, but no, in a bad no, way. They, they, they um, think bring, they're yeah. I bring it back to what we were saying earlier, and I have literally this is what I say. I, I tell people if it's if it's um, uh, and usually it doesn't matter even if it's if it's going to interrupt the show because it becomes part of the show. I will tell them I noticed I noticed your videotaping, and I said um, normally I don't I don't uh, permit that. Like I say it beforehand, like or it's people know that. Um, but you're videotaping, uh, which I'm not going to uh, scold you for, but I just want you to know what that means. Because I said, what we're doing in this room is for us right now. And it's special. And we can't ever have it back. And once it goes away, it's gone. But at least we know we experienced it. And I said, and every second that leaks from this room diminishes the quality and the meaningfulness of what we're doing here. So you can keep filming if you want, but just know that every second that camera's on, it makes this a little less spe less special. He's and gonna be they, a great. You're dad. the most. You're the most they, eloquent and articulate uh, heckler basher I've ever. Okay, I'll, I just, I just want everyone. I, I, I just want everyone in, to understand. I put, I put them in the position because it's their yeah. choice, and and I'm not. You know, I could tell them to put the phone down and explain to them why they're an asshole for filming. But it's a lot easier for, you know, the best lessons you learn are the ones you teach yourself. All right, if I tried that approach, what would happen is I'd, I would say, listen, this is an experience, and if you want to make that choice, that's fine. And they'd go, okay, I'll keep recording. And they'd be like, God fucking, you just <laughs> fucking fuck you. You know, like, that, then, that, yeah, then, then that's fine. Him. And then, 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 then you use Helder's method and you punch him in the face. I did, I did, I did. I just had that in Tacoma I was performing, and uh, I, I, there was a... I, you know, you're always you're constantly scanning the room. It's like, make sure everyone's yeah, yeah. involved. And I saw a camera, like a phone up. And then when I scanned back, it was still up. And I was like, I said, are you, are you t taking video? And she was like, yes. I was like, what, why, why? Well, just so I can watch it later with my friends. I was like, you're not, so, you can't, come on. Yeah. And then like, it was a very, like, she was so sweet. And then it just slowly went down. And, you know, I didn't want people to think I was a dick, but I was like, oh, you know, this is just for you guys. And it's like, if you... Yeah. Put it out there, you know, it's, uh, some of this stuff isn't ready to be in the world yet. And it's not going to make sense to other people who aren't here. And, sure. you know, she just wanted to show it to her friends. Thankfully, Derek and Helder's show, the, 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 Nothing to Hide, is so good that I think anyone could film it and it would still be awesome. It's not like it's not like if they catch something but on video. But please don't film it. That you didn't get permission <laughs> no, from no, our no, director of course not, but right now. <laughs> just so you know. I, I personally make an announcement before every show to not record or, or do anything. But what annoys me a little bit with magicians is that they, they'll, and I'm sure it's exactly the same in stand-up, is that they'll someone will just 
watch something that Derek or Helder does and then go do it as their act. They'll just take their act and not give any credit and just do it. Oh, yeah. And I would so, imagine there's even less respect in oh, that oh, community. Because oh, oh, no idea. Because a joke, because they, they probably think, oh, it's a mechanism. It's like magic for oh, all of us. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's and, brutal. And, and magicians, I mean, stage magicians have tried to copyright all kinds of effects, but you can kind of get your way around it. But that's one of the things that I think is so uh, awesome about what Derek and Helder are doing is because their material is their material. They have come up with... Yeah their own unique methods for all kinds of things that you see. So they, you, you cannot buy any of the things that they're doing on their, in their show. And, and frankly, the expertise level is high enough that you wouldn't probably be able to accomplish it anyway. But I love that forward thinking. Uh, my best friend is a guy named Ed Alonzo, who's a sure, comedy yeah. magician guy. And Ed too, he'll like, he'll have this funny idea and he'll like hire some guy to help him build some prosthetic thing that helps for his trick. And like he creates his own stuff and he'll go and he'll test it out and all places around the country and he'll hone it and he'll make it a bit. If he doesn't love it, he'll try something else. But he has a lot of shit that's just his own stuff that he can Well, yeah, that, that, that's the, the thing that I do understand about Really Good Magic is that you guys are basically inventors at yeah. the same time. because well, the good ones are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's a dying... That's, that's part of the death of magic is that it's been turned over to the... The, the hobbies for the amateurs like it used to be that like the the magician was the clockmaker who used sure. to studied under so and so you know and 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 uh, built these things that no one had ever seen and they built forward thinking technology and then once we fell behind technology which all society did it's so quick we can't keep yeah. up with it you know um that uh uh now it's that people most most magicians don't create their own material they use other people's material and apply their own Spin. It's not like you can just go to Nikola Tesla and get his machine that duplicates <laughs> you at the top of the theater, and then you have to kill every time he falls through the stage. Not since the incident. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I did not enjoy The Prestige when I saw it, but it's a movie that I, th I still think about, like, years after having seen it. It's a great book. I read the book, like, four years, five years before the movie came out, and I thought, oh, this would be a great movie. But no one's going to make a period movie about tesla and two dueling magicians you know that's just it's not cost effective god if they had just and the, it was good though the whole idea of like wait a minute so just all of a sudden this machine just happens to copy people and that's it yeah that well, made me mad you could say that about a lot of movies though nope just so. that one every other movie you've ever made was amazing <laughs> just, that one. just the prestige I wish you guys, I wish the people listening could, could see the magic. This is an interesting thing about this, this specific podcast, because we're talking about things that are uh, the visual in nature. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't really... Theater of the mind, Neil. Well, I guess so. You know what? That's, he's, he's, Chris is right. <laughs> ah. uh, no, it's, it's true. And that's a lot of the, a lot of the thing that, like, uh, uh, people don't... It, it, is, it is a theater of the mind in the sense that, like, people forget, like, that in, in our show, Nothing to Hide, Gavin Playhouse... Uh, that we are using cards and people leave the show and no one ever talks about that. That's the last thing anyone talks about, that none of the reviews really mention that. Occasionally someone on a blog or something might mention that, but most people don't realize that that is all that's being used for playing cards because, because of what's, ha what's happening in their mind throughout the show is constantly taking them out of that headspace of, of the props and what's what what's being seen and it's the the you know the journey their imagination's taking them on. And but I will say I think people, you know, definitely in comedy, certainly in magic, you sort of have to go in and surrender your like some audiences forget sometimes people forget that as an audience, you do have a responsibility. 
and your responsibility is to focus and hand and hand your energy that over to the to the audience and to the performer. I mean, obviously, if the performer is bad, you don't have a you certainly don't have a responsibility to stay invested. But but there, you do have to do a little work on on your part as an audience member. You can't just sit there and fold your arms and be like, fucking impress me. Like you kind of need to come in a little open. We, we, totally agree. We, we know that people will come in with their arms folded. And and with that attitude, we expect that. Like we aim for that level. Yeah. So our first, the first thing we do in the show is geared towards a not building a, a, a wall between us, but a, a but a confrontation between Helder and I. Mm-hmm. So the conflict isn't between the magician and the spectator the way it usually is in a magic show. Right off the bat, uh, where a magician comes out, tries to fool audience. Uh, it is a it is a competition of sorts between Helder and I. Um, where uh, we sit at a table and and we go head to head, and it's very you know the fourth wall is there, and so they feel it allows them to just settle in as like a play or something, and uh, and then the magic part of it is so um, brutal that they realize that even if they were in that headspace, they should just give up now. <laughs> and and the first piece is engineered to absolutely do that. So even if people are w- with their arms folded, and if the first one doesn't get them by the second one, game over. And so then now, and now they're, I think, they're ready. I think the, the, the nature of magic is that feeling of, I am the magician, I'm doing this, and I'm going to fool you. It's huh? there. Like, if we're, even if we don't want to acknowledge it, it's there. And the audience going to a magic show, even if they like magic, and even if they want to appreciate the magic part, there is a part of their brain that is always going to be trying to understand how we do it. Uh But part of our task as magicians is that too. It's to acknowledge that and make sure they understand. It's not, I don't think, I don't think it's a give up situation. It's more a, you are losing more if you try to do that than if you try to enjoy the well, show. Well, there's an emotional contract, really. When someone buys a ticket to a show, there is an emotional contract that you're all entering in, which is, you know, you come in to be led to this experience, and I will lead you, but you have to be at least a little bit willing mm-hmm. for that to happen. Yeah. And if you're not, then don't, you know, then maybe don't maybe don't go. It's, <laughs> that's more, more that way in magic, I think, than most. I agree. Because in stand-up, you're going out with your friends to have a good time. And with magic, there are two different schools of thought when people watch it. People that want to believe and want to just sit back and enjoy and people that are fucking hell-bent on figuring out how it was done. Right. And that at every... At every show at any magic venue, you'll get those two types of people. It's harder to ask an entire audience seeing magic... To just go yeah. along with the ride. Very, and very go few along people with the in stand up go, How did he come up with that dick joke? Like, <laughs> exactly. no one. Right. No, you're just there to like, <laughs> God, <laughs> farts are weird. I just, how did he make that turn? I always thought farts were That's fun. Exactly right. I didn't realize how weird they are. Like, or, I, or whatever the comic thing is. But I find it impressive that these guys think that hard about, uh, about carts. You know what I mean? Well, I, and, I, and I think an audience, you don't have to come out and say, like, Look, we're very passionate about this thing that we're doing. Your performance relays that to them, and then they appreciate that. Even just on that level, they understand, like, oh yeah, that's not that's not fucking around stuff up there. That's right. like this actually required some thought and innovation. And 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 how do you innovate in in magic, especially you know at this point when it's so much of it has been done and so much of it has been broadcast, and people are like, so how do you continue to innovate? It's a really hard question to answer. Uh, I I I think 
there is there is a there is a point of you study enough and you learn enough and you practice enough and at one point if you've if you've studied the right things and you've you've learned what you should learn and you you understand you start understanding magic and when you start understanding magic there is a point there is a, I, I just call it a click point where things start like you start interwaving knowledge that you've never thought before it was possible to and you you go back and you try to go like did anyone think about what i'm thinking now oh no wait so and you start following those little like that that little way and and eventually you ended up like creating something new um uh, and that said it's like this that i just described happened at so many levels one of them is the technical part you can actually create new techniques uh-huh. it's like it's it's like imagine a piano player he has all the keys and he he can play those keys uh the way he wants to create the sound he wants but in magic it's like the piano can even be bigger than it's now right now so you can even extend that mm-hmm. piano and then you use those keys to play the things you want to play and the the way you want to play well the thing that i find so interesting about it is that you you know with stand up you can just go up on stage with kind of half an idea and go, well, you know, I'll find it. You know, I can't because it's so much about the relationship with your audience, it, it, like that you you can just sort of find where the bit is. But you guys have to have the technical part worked out so well before you even go up on stage because you can't you can't afford for it not to be. Yeah, I yeah, I mean that that part is true. You gotta you gotta really work on it before you get it in front of an audience. But like for me, I I. Uh, I got frustrated with the uh, with the technical limitations of magic, and so um, you know, for me, I just started asking new questions about what it is to be a magician, and uh, and what it is to have a relationship with an audience as a magician, and what it is to be a magician in a modern society, uh, and and those n- new questions that I asked for myself, you know, found me in areas maybe not with uh, uh, new new technology or new techniques but um, maybe new ideas uh, in relationship to magic. So like I, I try to uh, like I've given, you know, I've not, I haven't given up on, on new technical um, uh, innovations, but um, I think that like uh, a new evolution of what a ma- magician can be can perhaps provide new, um, you know, uh, new ways of thinking about magic or new ways of performing magic. What was the answer that you came up with? What, what does it mean to be a magician now? Uh, I think I think I think learning how to acknowledge uh, acknowledge a what, what the to really be honest, brutally honest about what a magician uh, how how a magician is perceived by a modern society, and the new movie the Bert oh yeah Bert Wonderstone that, that movie's coming out um, that, that's a that's the people say that's you know stereotypes and it's and it's um, it's I, I don't think it's stereotypes I think it's perception I think it's actual perception of how the world sees. Magicians. Mm-hmm. So instead of looking at it as a stereotype and and like and negative and like oh that's a, they're just they're it's a hyperbole. Sure. You go no. What if Job from Arrested Development? What if the, no? This is the way that you know no one perce- you know no no one portrays stand up comics as like Gallagher hitting a watermelon anymore. <laughs> like right. that doesn't happen because that's not the perception. It's it's you know it's you or you know Louis C.K. or Patton Oswalt and and like real comics people know what it is. And so uh, I think magicians need to be honest with themselves. 
and allow the the world to be their mirror so they can take a look and then maybe start to change their clothes a little bit and uh, <laughs> literally and metaphorically. <laughs> By the way, I, I didn't want to gloss over the fact I appreciate you put lumping me in with two much superior comics to myself, <laughs> but I, I, mean, I appreciate that. Uh, even if you just said it because you're sitting across from me. I but did, I did. I, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I would have done the same thing. When I'm in someone's house, when you're in someone's house, you got to say, oh, this is the best. You guys don't, Chris is a prop comic. You knew that, right? Yeah. He has like a... <laughs> Whoa, wow. I've got to put my tie on and By go the way, to I'd work. like to take it's this a, opportunity it's a booby to trap. formally apologize to Patton Oswalt and Louis. <laughs> <laughs> For what? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, okay, I don't... Oh. Over that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they don't listen to this. <laughs> uh, Man, hey, can you guys do a trick for someone that's listening at home without, without uh, them seeing anything? Is that doable? Is that putting you on the spot? Is there anything you yeah, can do? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's putting. No, I know, but you're that good. That's I'm exactly saying, could someone, could someone that's is. listening to this podcast, like, go home and like, like, go into their in their kitchen shelf and get a deck of cards, and then like, do something that you tell them to do and have it be magical? Is that doable? They can't hear us staring right now. <laughs> no, no, they could hear it. Oh, <laughs> they can hear it. I'm the director of this goddamn show. Oh. <laughs> no, they're just staring at each other. All right, forget it. We have nothing but 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 malice for you now. But other than that, we have nothing. We, have nothing. Uh, uh, we could talk through one. We could like describe it. No, I just remember back in the days. I have all these old records of like classic magicians, and they would say, "Go and get a deck of cards." Now to cut the cards into three piles. And it was all like uh, audio magic. I didn't know if you could do any audio magic. See the problem with Neil is that <laughs> I'm a dreamer. He's still really I'm a, finally excited. the podcast is about to start. He's Sixty really minutes in, excited <laughs> about magic. That's the that's part of the problem of having Neil around is he's so excited about it even more than that. Well, he's always the the biggest magician in the room when the three of us are there for sure. Because Elder and I were like he's always like the first to be like. Let's make it fucking magic. And we're like, dude, we just want to go get a burrito or something. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do some Chipotle magic. He's like, he's too, he's, he believes as much or more than anyone. So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to keep at your level all the time. Well, that's, that's, I, I <laughs> love being fooled and I love being, I love letting, having that sense of wonder overwhelm me, whether it's with magic just specifically or frankly, some of my best euphoric feelings have been at Cirque du Soleil shows uh, at the Santa Monica Pier mm -hmm. when it was like early style and it was Nouvelle Experience and it was David Shiner doing uh, doing comedy mad comedy in the middle of this giant theater space and I just remember clapping so hard that my hands hurt and watching people do these amazing things and us as a group were like wowed and entertained and and his in hysterics and I just think that that group vibe for something that's happening live is so exciting. So that's what I love about it and what I loved being involved with the directing thing. And it, with cards especially, I don't think, you guys are kind of the exception because you perform a lot, but most people see card magic by their cousin in their kitchen. Mm -hmm. And then they think it's all right and it's cool. And a lot of card m performers only perform for very small groups of people. So it was sort of my job as a director to make sure that they were having the confidence to be able to perform for the front row, but also for the back row and to keep it, you you know, I, it is my job. You no, say hey, that jokingly, uh, but no, it's kind it's, of my job to be is, more enthusiastic about them and to instill true. confidence in is, them that what they're doing is yeah, so great, it's which a, it is. It's a technically fascinating idea of taking a close-up show and making it big. 
Yeah, but There's, it can't be that. That was my point earlier. Is it can't ever be that big. We can't put a big projection screen yeah, behind them and show there's stuff where people will start to think that we're cheating. How many does the Geffen hold? Ours is a hundred, basically a hundred seats. Right at a hundred, yeah. But we brought in special bleachers for the we've like so special seating and stuff. Super raked seating, and yeah. we've had to like, you may not know, but the tables on a bit of a rake. Yeah, the back the two legs of the table, we had to raise up a little bit just sure. so when cards were flat. They looked like they're flat, but they're actually a little bit of but, an but angle, our so show, you could our see. Show, and you know, is there's only one piece in the entire show that's close up. Everything else is agreed is is stand up, and and, and the only reason it's close up is because we're seated, mm -hmm. uh, and it's that first piece, that silent first piece, which is silent. Relies heavily on the table, and it relies heavily on the table. But everything else in the show is stand up, more or less. Uh, and so, where do you tell them to get closer to the mic? No, no. And so uh, your mic dr just dripped a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. it's not it's not your fault. You can uh, lift I it up. Can, it happens to a lot of guys. No, I'm like anyway. this. No, you like, can just lift it up. Now it looks I'll like, like you're blowing no, the mic. You, I don't now want you to. Like you're, it's fine. I don't want you to have to hunch or down. Or satisfying the mic. Uh, That's better. This rickety old studio. it. That's better. Perfect. Now I really want to. I, I, the show will be. Is it running indefinitely, or did it just get picked up for another chunk of time? We got picked up. Well, well, when when is this, when is this airing? When we'll put it? this up within the next week. Okay, so uh, we'll still be going, and we'll be uh, through March. Probably okay. through March. Through March is what it's There's like. a Neil Labute play that's going on after it, and then we, they keep the Geffen keeps pushing off Neil Labute because the tickets are so sales are so good, and the show's so awesome. So I think. I yeah, think Labute may have Labute's a conniption if, if it doesn't podcast. happen by April. Labute probably does not listen to this podcast okay. either. He, <laughs> and, Louis just, no, just he and Louie and Patton all hang out and just <laughs> and don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay. Hey guys, you want to not listen to this podcast? Sure, Patton, cunt, fuck, shit, tits. That was Louie. Uh, and then I don't, good, I don't know actually. what Le, I don't know what Labute would say. That was say. a little bit Labute as well. <laughs> oh, show my God! Well, that's why they're all friends. That is why they're all friends. That's awesome. No, it's that's been my it's been awesome that it's that it's been so well received. We're doing that our we, 100th show this week. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. How do you keep show. it fresh? How do you keep your show fresh? Oh, we don't. It's stale. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's just the material is strong. So but when it, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly how it's 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 structured so well that we'll, this first piece that they mention gets the audience in a headspace of like their minds are already kind of blown that then they get to have fun with some verbal dexterity some thought processes that i think people don't tend to think about and you get a group to be in a headspace that is that keeps it from being stale we, we love it is the answer I've yeah, heard I've heard two it. things during this podcast so far that would make great album titles number 1 brutal magic nice uh -huh. number brutal 2 magic. verbal dexterity Nice. Those are good bands. Yeah. I don't Brutal think that magic. thought processes is an actual term. Thought processes? Processes? Is that a word? Processes? That doesn't sound right coming out of my mouth. It's hole. Greek. Thought Greek, process. Greek term processes. Processes. Process. Process. Processes was the Greek goddess of um, <laughs> magic. Of brutal magic. <laughs> <laughs> she had an incredible verbal dexterity. Uh, but I also want to take this opportunity to say, and I know this is a little shilly on my part because it's on our channel but i really mean this sincerely but neil's puppet dreams is fucking awesome and what you guys <laughs> were able to do in three days with a bollywood number yeah thanks is fucking nuts anyone who hasn't seen this bollywood number that was like our, our pièce de résistance we were very excited we it was the last one that we aired because we thought it was our best you know four and a half minute sketch that we did on neil's puppet dreams and i thought um, 
five million hits. I thought for sure it's gonna like be this viral thing, and it's got like 150,000 hits. That's still a good. It's not a good number. Okay, so for for Neil Patrick Harris, maybe not, but for the rest of the. It's not a good number. 150,000. The fucking kid who went to the dentist. And is sitting in his back seat. That was pretty great, though. Is well, this yeah. real life? I mean, come on. That's twenty that's million hits. That's your cousin. I mean, we, you know, that's, that's your little cousin. The video. No. no. I'm just saying, anyone who hasn't seen it, go see Neil's Puppet Dreams, the Bollywood number. It's awesome. I fall in love with a cow. Love will make its debut. Yeah, I, I sing go, it. I go down on a puppet cow. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, that number's going up. <laughs> Yesterday, I, I was actually talking about puppet improv. Oh, have you, have you seen the live Henson? No, I've never uh, seen it. It's really that's, good. That's the, them's the puppets. Which is, which is uh, like the... Puppet it, improv. It's a pretty cool concept. It was called Stuffed and Unstrung, and now... Or it was yeah, called Puppet Up, up and then it came, became Stuffed and Unstrung. But what's fascinating about the puppet improv is that they've conceded to the audience, you're going to see the puppeteers. Hmm. And so they have a camera up, up front, and they have monitors, so you can see the puppeteers, but then you can also just watch on screen. But even that is an interesting form of misdirection, because... There's no way to hide the way that it works, so it's just all in the jokes and the performance. There's nothing to hide. Oh. Connection. That should be the name of a... <laughs> a show. <sighs> oh, it all comes around in a giant, delicious circle. I, I, I am going to go see Nothing to Hide. You must. Um, I will. Tonight? I can't go tonight. Fucker. We don't have tickets for tonight. Yeah, you're right. We're well, now out. maybe now I want to go. It's part of the LA mentality. We mean I can't get in. No, I have to. No, I'm All gonna right, get we'll in. We'll see it soon, and then you have to like. Are you gonna tour the show? Oh, no, tour right now probably not. But we're going to New York. I'm sure. Uh, that's well. That's yeah. that's our. Goal. That's our. That's the goal. But we still don't. We we don't have any. It's the great hem haw conversation that we're all having right now because uh, going to New York would be great. It's kind of like that's the end goal for any kind of smallish theater piece, especially Magic, which isn't represented in New York uh, in this capacity very often. But again, you're dealing with logistics. What what yeah. theater can you do? That everyone can see the cards, right? You know, you can't do you can't do a Broadway house. That's a thousand seats. You what? couldn't do it. So you, no, so we're we're, we're trying well, to. Well, we of, can, but we get a lot of people that are going to be pissed. Yeah, you'd have well, to. Well, it's hand also it the economics. <laughs> it's also the economics of a show where you can really only have a hundred people. True. Yeah. And it's and still, what can you charge? Yeah. You know, so, but, so, so that but you the, think everyone back in the day, what was the time period for the old parlor parlors and houses? What was that like? Turn of the century, nineteen twenty or something, where people had. As a proper form of education, yeah, I guess uh, before, before proper form of entertainment, you would bring you know thirty people into oh, your sure. parlor, and you would all sit and you would watch a magician or a cellist or something like those smallish yeah. kind of venues were prevalent back then. Or you had to be, be employed to by back. some crazy royal family. Yeah, yeah. Or you need a, to find or a, or a royal a, family a in New York. Yep. Hired Royal family is listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we are searching for you. Are there you. a few? You know, I've just been listening to the most interesting <laughs> audio cast. <laughs> oh, how ducky. Let's hire them. <laughs> we can. We're royal, you know. <laughs> I don't know what country. Pip pips. We're the Prince of Central no, Park. The play on words, because cards have pips on them. See, that's very inside magic <laughs> talk. You. I don't know what that, I didn't know that. He's in the know. I didn't know that. That's a good gag. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Derek, why are you... I just pip pip. My head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fucking magic hipsters. I do a lot of comedy at Derek's expense. <laughs> <laughs> my sadness makes him smile. <laughs> <laughs> <Does> it... 
Was, was there any point when you're directing the show and then you're like, and then I should come out with the, the number and they're like, Neil, come oh, on. We thought, we thought about that. We actually thought about that saying, hey, Neil, come just do the 100 performance <laughs> and in the middle of the show, just walk just through the stage and walk out. Just love me. it. Without be there. anything. Uh, just stand up. Did you see the rap he did at the end of the Tonys a couple years ago? I know. It's unbelievable. It's a strange thing directing someone's show and they have written said show. I've done a, a couple of those, especially magic based, because it's you do you you have to direct with a very soft hand because oh, yeah. you can't say like no do it this way right because it's their creation it's their, it's point their of material yeah. they came up with it so I'm it was sort of with a lot of like what do you guys prefer this or that or from you're doing this and I'm taking that from it is that what you're intending like you know what I mean like you have to direct in a very specific way when it's when it's the it's like directing a one man show and then ask and then asking for cuts. Right. It's like they wrote, <laughs> they wrote it. So it's that's been fun. Yeah. But cool. Well, you guys Succinct. have to trust each other to a certain. You, like you have to. It's you have to not m mash your point of view, onto their thing. Correct. It's, Which is very hard because you, you. I'm sure you have some ideas and. Well, but my ideas are trumped by their awesomeness. So it makes it kind of easy in this case. So then what do you do as a director? Are you just essentially a sounding? Are you like a workshop audience for them in a sense? I think I have a good gauge of what an audience would be taking from a given moment. And I think that I've gained their confidence in that. So if I'm able to say like, that's confusing to me, or when you're saying that, I'm, I don't think I, I'm getting what you're trying to accomplish, then they take note of that and try and reword it in a certain way or, yeah. or, or just, you know, symmetry with blocking and yeah, things like that. Yeah, no, I mean, we trust, we, we, we know what he's capable of on a stage. So when he says something, when Neil says something, like, I know that he's also seeing it through the eyes of being where I'm at, like as a performer, not just as mm. a, a director. Like, I, can, I know he's able to, to, be, on to stage. be on stage and see, and know, he knows what it is to get a crowd on its feet and to get them going and stuff. So I think I, I know he sees it with that lens too, where he's able to to see it from a performer's point mm. of view, not just a director's point of view right. or a writer's point of view. So it's 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 I like there are times where I'm like, hey, hey I'm, he's right. I'm sure he's right because he he this is a performative, um, you know, uh, field we're playing on. So and he he's done a thing or two. But I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> and a lot of times, for real. Like I'll say some note, and I'll say if it doesn't, if that that doesn't make any sense, and it does, it's screwing with your head. Then Actually, more don't do of these notes are always questions. It's like why why are you doing that? And if we have a good reason to do that, you'd say, oh, okay, I I get it. I think that's probably, and I'm not a director, nor will I ever be. But I think that's my guess is that's the best. Well, I mean, I produce stuff. That's the best way is to have the person whose thing it is just question it in a way that maybe they they wouldn't have before. I tend to start everything that I direct by letting the person letting the actors know well probably everyone know that i'm going to ask a lot of why questions but but oftentimes people will take a why question with an agenda and mm -hmm. to not have any agenda so if i say why are you saying it like that i'm not meaning like why the fuck are you saying it like that yeah. i'm why? meaning like what what do you what yeah. what are you trying to accomplish by saying that yeah. so and i'm having to speak in more specific words than we say get a lot of why are you not doing what i told you to do <laughs> <laughs> why would you want me to why would you want me to kill this show? Why are you why, failing? Why am I working with you? Actually, actually the best part was because we have the magic part and then we have the part that is the performance part and we are all working on that. And we we kept hiding from Neil some of the secrets. Mm -hmm. And one of the times Neil went, "Okay, just tell me everything now." 
and it was like this moment. Well, that's which, a funny, interesting thing with magicians is that magicians won't often reveal how much they actually know about stuff because it kind of reveals their knowledge. I think we often thought we were hiding more than we were, too. I didn't want to come in and say, like, all right, show me how this is done and yeah, how it's done. I a... sort of acted for a couple of the things. Like, I, I get it, and I knew that stuff was happening, but I wasn't sure exactly the methodology behind it. But at, after a certain point, people were asking me if I knew how the thing, everything was done, and I was like, oh, absolutely. But in my heart, there were things I didn't really know. So I did have to sit so them down and say... So 80, he walks up, he's like, show me the box. I did. <laughs> I did. It does really funny. It does really funny. I did, but I felt like I was I was I had earned that at that question. point. Yeah. There's only about six people that know the answer to that question. I mean, that's got to be a, a magician's. Mo I mean, that is the most vulnerable you can be. I would imagine when yep. you're revealing that. Well, unfortunately, that is that is where all of the energy is put is into the secret. Like like in our show, we can we can. You know, there there are many pieces in the show where we could give the secret away, and I don't think it would take much from the piece because you'd go, "Are you fucking kidding me? That's how that works." And like, still it looks still cool, unbelievable. Yeah. But a lot of times, when the secret is just the secret, and that's all the performance is hinged on, it's it's a it, yeah, that's a mind fuck. So defensive and like, I think part part of the reason why I think people really like our show, it's because they know the secret. It's not something you can buy or 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 you can do. Right. Something like very few people in this world can actually do and can actually get to that level. So in that That's sense, true. like it makes it makes it they know the, the separation. It's not a little separation. It's a big gap. And because of that, they just don't want to know how the secret. Well, and for me, it wasn't eating away at me, like not knowing how this the things that I that I was unaware of. It wasn't like things that I was trying to find out. Like I appreciated that something was going on at this moment. And I was more interested in how, what was getting accomplished, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I hoped that through the minutia of hanging out, I would learn <laughs> how a, things were it's done. It's a big ruse. I'll produce your show, but you have to tell me your secrets. I sh that should have been a writer. Well, so what is the, uh, what is, is the, so people just go to Geffen Playhouse website, or is there, a, is there a Nothing to Hide website, or can people follow you on Twitter, or what's yeah, this? They can follow us on Twitter. We have uh, uh, Twitter handles, go. Oh, at Derek, D-E-R-E-K underscore Dell. Derek Dell. Derek uh, Dell. He's a great one to follow. Uh, he has lots of and, interesting uh, things to say. Mine is at whoiselder. Like a question. Who not, is Helder? Not, 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 not who is Helder. But who is Helder? W-H-O-I-S-H-E-L-D-E-R. And, uh, and uh, yeah, the, the Geffen Playhouse. You type. Uh, I think it's GeffenPlayhouse.com. Yeah, GeffenPlayhouse.com, and they have. They keep extending, and, cool. and sometimes there's like even specials for good price tickets and stuff. So, yeah, keep just your keep your eye. Gold, Gold Star, Star has, has stuff. From time to time. I'm actually MPH actually on Twitter. MPH on Twitter. Holla, Neil's Puppet Dreams, Bollywood. But but I appreciate. I mean, yeah. I I always love talking to people who are you know masters at something, but just hearing where it comes from and the passion and, and, and really hearing the, the human side, trying to understand it from that. And then Neil and I, you and I are very alike because I'm a, I'm a loudmouth about stuff I love and I get very excited about <laughs> like, you guys, why doesn't everyone know about this thing that I love too? You know? Yeah. So, uh, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that you, I, I will. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And I will say that if people are listening, castle. I got to join the magic castle. We have associate memberships. They're not that expensive. Okay. We'd love to have you. I'll treat you well. Um, I will say that if people are, have listened to this and are interested, it, it is a kind of once in a lifetime experience to see the show. These two guys, I can't say that they're so good enough because it's really that good.
Excellent. Well, thanks, thanks for coming, you guys. Peace out, Saga. Thanks for having me. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Enjoy your magical burrito. <laughs> I'm the royal family from New York. Hello. I've heard about your show on a podcast. I would like I'm a, just dying. I would to like a court magician hire. and a burrito. I happen to have two parlors. <laughs> One is hidden Could behind a bookcase. Could you perform in repertory? I don't know what country we're from. Are you doing Taylor Swift? I'm Latvian. <laughs> Are you doing Taylor Swift? Did you say? Yeah, from the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> That's so funny. It's this voice, and it goes into, She wears these dresses, I wear these pants. What is that song that she sang? I don't... No one, nowhere. What was the song that she sang? <laughs> nowhere. I'm not my boyfriend anymore. What's that? You're not my boyfriend any song. It was just sitting right here. Squeed a squid da 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 Taylor Swift doesn't listen to the podcast either. Apparently, not anymore. No. Fuck! We just lost her! She's going to try to date the podcast. <laughs> and it's not going to go well. Enjoy it, Brie. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 15% off your new account for six months, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code NERDIST2. That's NERDIST and the number two.